0: Broadcasting from the wine country in California, this is the Kick-Ass Relationship Show where intimate secrets and modern advice for couples is shared to elevate your relationship to live sexier, happier, and to have way more fun. We believe success in life is better when mixed with excitement and love. And now, here's your Kick-Ass Relationship Coach and best-selling author, Midori Verity. Welcome
1: back everyone to another episode of the Kick-Ass Relationship Show. And for those of you who have been with me for a while, you know I get a little giddy and a little bit excited when we are talking about the subject of sex. And today is all about that. And what I'm so excited about is where we're going to go with this whole conversation. But let me ask you first, have you ever fantasize about a sexually taboo lifestyle. Maybe you've discussed it in the heat of the moment with your partner, but you haven't followed through because of shame, guilt, whatever it is. Today we'll be learning all about it and talking about a shame-free life. I am super excited. You guys want to hear this whole show because we are going to be hitting on things that I know I've wondered about, and we're going to be delving into those questions and finding out more. But of course, we always kick off the show with my three minutes to thrive, and today we are going to do it in probably less than three minutes. What we are talking about is three quick actions to keep your bond alive. I always talk about the importance of of maintaining excitement and passion and interest in your relationship for those who want to have a long-term relationship. So we're going to dive right into it. The first tip is to do what I call turning in. Actually, this was developed by John Gottman. And the concept is when someone, when your partner is talking about something that you're really not interested in, you could kind of care less What you want to do is you still want to show that you do have some interest. Sometimes you got to fake it. We've all done this before, but what you do is you actually turn towards your partner, you acknowledge what they're saying, and then you kind of regurgitate something to them that shows that you are listening, such as my husband loves football. I could care less about football, but if he brings up a topic about football to me, such as you know, I can't wait for the game this weekend. It's going to be a huge game and these teams are both huge rivals. I will turn to him and go, gosh, it's going to be so exciting to watch this. Even though in my head I'm thinking, oh my God, hopefully I get called into jury duty. Something like that. But you just turn towards them and you acknowledge them. Tip number two is rituals. I've talked about this before, but it is a proven fact that those couples who have rituals, think of your grandma and grandpa who've been married forever they probably have rituals. It could be Sunday reading the newspaper together, going on a walk after dinner. It could be going to the farmer's market every Saturday. Whatever it is, have rituals that you do with your partner every single week. The third thing is new experiences. Remember I talked about passion and excitement. When you push yourselves outside of your comfort level or comfort zone You release endorphins and dopamine and all these exciting little brain chemicals start going through you. And that is key to keeping that excitement and kind of that attachment in your relationship, that, that passionate, exciting, sexual passion alive in your relationship. So you want to push yourself out of your comfort zone and do new experiences together. This could be as simple as doing a new, going to a new dance class or um, going wine tasting, anything that's kind of new and exciting. That's it. Those are your three tips. Do those three tips on a regular basis. And I promise you, you will develop a long term, strong, foundational relationship that you love. Next week, I am super excited about what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to be talking about how to 10X your relationship and your life. I was inspired by a conference that I went to last week in San Francisco about this topic. And I have some ideas that you haven't heard before. So make sure you you tune in for next week's show where I will go through that. And if you're not able to, that's okay too. If you follow me on Facebook, that is where I release just the three minutes to thrive clips and you can see them there. But without further ado, everyone, we are going to be bringing on my incredibly amazing guest, Miss Veronica Monet. She is an ACS um, and an internationally acclaimed sexual empowerment change agent. I have never said that before, but that's that's incredible. Who who would have ever thought? And she's also been featured with CNN, Fox, Politically Incorrect, Yale, Stanford, and UC Berkeley. These are just a few of the incredible locations that she has been featured and she's hosted. Uh, been hosted on for her forward thinking insights and expertise. Veronica coaches courageous individuals and couples in mastering their erotic experience, regardless of circumstance, history, or health. As a relationship coach, sexologist, and anger specialist, she combines her extensive education with deep empathy derived from personal experience, personally overcoming incest, rape, violence, and abuse. She has not just survived, but thrives. And I am all about that, about going beyond surviving and truly leading a thriving lifestyle. So
2: Veronica, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm really glad to be here. And I love those three tips that you just shared. I'm a huge fan of John Gottman, and I absolutely think that uh, ritual is so important. Yeah, really important.
1: You're right in the same, you know, you you help couples with their relationships in, in a different way, but it's all kind of the same thing. All the stuff works as long as you actually practice it, right?
2: I actually, I actually um, branded something this year called the Exquisite Partnership Formula. And I, I teach it to couples on one-on-one coaching sessions. And I also uh, provide it as an online uh, workshop. So Exquisite Partnership Formula um, is, is kind of what I'm teaching as a relationship coach. And and I I really just dive in the two taboo emotions, anger and, um, sexuality. Those are, those are my specialties, anger and sex.
1: (laughs) Anger. Well, those are two good ones (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: because we're always
1: talking about them, right? Okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about, let's delve into that a little bit. So Anger and sex, is there, do you see a correlation with those two in any
2: way? Well, like I said, they're both taboo emotions. Um, sexual desire and, and anger have both really kind of been subjects of, people try to suppress those feelings. You try to control your anger. You try to control your sexual desire. And unfortunately, in, in a culture that's focused on control, uh, we use shame to control people. <laughs> we shame people, oh, you're getting angry. Shame on you. Oh, you're feeling sexual. You shame on you. And and it drives those things down into our subconscious, whereas it does terrible things to us. So <laughs> I'm yeah. digging that stuff up and helping people free um, themselves. And, and the thing is, is that I, um, I think the fear that people have is that if they actually contact their anger or their sexual desire, they're going to be some crazy wild animal who's out of control. And and the first thing I'd have to say to that is I haven't actually met the crazy wild animal that they're talking about, because I don't see that happening in nature. But um, okay, I, you know, I realized, the reverse is actually true when we suppress those emotions they do come out of us and do some crazy wild things we see this with like um oh celibacy which seems to always lead to pedophilia for some strange reason
1: so (laughs) okay i I was not aware of that (laughs) that was the fact that i did not know
2: i i i I am not look i've been celibate myself i'm being a little bit funny here but i (laughs) i am saying that it's, it's interesting how religious organizations that c- um, compel celibacy is not something that somebody's choosing. I've chosen it. it it's, a, it's a legitimate path. It's a wonderful path if you're doing it for yourself. But if somebody's telling you you have to do it and they're using shame to impose it upon you, then your sexuality will probably seep, you know, seep out of the cracks in some way that uh, is not conducive to... Um,
0: Consensual
1: behavior. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many things to unfold in what you've just talked about. You know, religion can be part of that. I mean, there's so there's so much there. So I want to go back for a second because you talked about, and I don't want to stay here too much because I really want to get into the sex part. Quite honestly, but But we're (laughs) we're already in the sex part, by the way. Okay, all right. (laughs) But with the anger, you, you know, you talked about anger and how you know, there's, there could be shame there too. And you caught me off guard a little bit by, you know, you saying how society says, Oh, you shouldn't show too much anger. So are you saying it's actually a release? It's it's okay to show anger. Tell me, talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, so I teach anger management, which, by the way, is not anger suppression or anger control. And most people say, oh, I manage my anger. And when you actually find out what they're doing with your anger, they're just controlling it. So I've, I'm not about helping people learn how to have more control over themselves. This is this is, causes a contraction of our energetic field. It makes us smaller. I want mm-hmm. people to be bigger. So I, the relationship that I have with my anger is managed. It's managed, which means that when I feel angry, I celebrate that. I'm not afraid of it. I'm like, wow, my anger is trying to tell me something valuable here. And and usually it means that uh, one of my boundaries is being violated. Um, And one of my needs is not being met. So it's wonderful information. It's a fabulous feedback loop. But what I do with it is is what defines uh, me as a person. If I just become reactive and throw things, hit people, you know, yell a bunch of um, insults and name calling, well, that's abuse. And I don't want to use my anger as an excuse to be abusive. But if I use my anger as um, fuel to kind of launch my rocket or the wind in my sails to help propel me towards positive action, and positive action has to come from a place in the brain that uses the uh, frontal cortex. Unfortunately, anger originates in the reptilian brain. So when people finally get in touch with their anger, a lot of times they act like uh, lower life forms that don't have a lot of ability to make logical decisions. Um, I, I teach people how to use their anger to make logical, intelligent decisions, and I actually teach this, this five-step process where you can connect, with another human being when you're angry and create more intimacy instead of less intimacy. So the reason the anger and the sex are connected, to answer your original question, is that most of the couples that I work with are in long term committed relationships and the sex has died. It died mm-hmm. because not because they didn't have enough fancy creams and lotions and potions and sex toys or because they need to start swinging. Those things have things that are absolutely I can help people do if that's what they want to do. But that's not why the long-term sex turns into nothing. It turns into nothing because people are angry and they don't know how to talk about their anger in a way that's intelligent and respectful and creates connection. And so they don't talk about it at all. They decide it's not worth a fight. Well, it's true. A fight's not going to build any kind of connection. But you can learn ways to express your anger that will actually draw you closer to each other. And it's amazing. I bring couples into my office. We have a two-hour session. They haven't had sex for 10 years. They go home and have the best sex of their life. Wow. Okay. So I never knew
1: that there was such a strong correlation between anger and sex. But now that you're saying it, it's making complete sense to me. But you're saying that for a couple that has been together for a while and they haven't had sex, often it's because they aren't communicating or there's, you know, all they can do is fight. So therefore, that's not super, you know, not super uh, flattering and exciting to jump into bed together. But what are some ways that you help couples overcome that? Overcome, you know, be able to break through all that anger and that frustration that, and resentment that's probably built up so that they can get past all of that and, and reconnect. I mean, you said in two hours, that's pretty profound that they can reconnect yeah. and want to be intimate together again.
2: Well, the, the trick is to actually create a heart connection. So um, the five-step process that I teach is really about learning how to validate and empathize with your partner as well as assert your no. So it, 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 it looks something like this. It's like, you know, I understand why you feel that way. And um, I also really, you know, am excited about the fact that you're sharing that with me. I, I want us to be connected on this. Thank you for sharing that with me and bringing it to me. And, and, and actually, no, I've, I'm not available for that. That doesn't appeal to me. However... I would love to do this with you, or I would love for us to connect in this way. So we don't leave people hanging when we say no. Um, and if I'm just going to listen, there's other so many tools that I teach. There's a lot of anger management tools. There's something I, I call, um, and my partner and I actually developed this together, um, and it's called Share Your movie. And it's just like, okay, we're not, we're not hearing each other. We can't understand each other. But yet, I could walk into a movie theater. I could watch a film about somebody else's life experience that might actually be kind of foreign to me. And I would probably cry and laugh and totally share in this particular person's experience that's up on the movie screen. Why can't I do that with my partner? They're having a life experience. They're having deep emotions, but I'm completely disconnected from them because I don't like what that means. Maybe it's going to mean I have to do something or I have to change something. If we can start disentangling ourselves from those assumptions, I can connect with you without it meaning that I have to change anything. I want to know your story. I want to hear your story. I want my heart to be connected to yours like a good friend. And a friend can show up because they're not worried, oh, you're going to quit your job? You're going to move, right? But if you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, you're like, well, what is that? how does that impact my life? And so we start trying to control our partner's feelings because we want to control their behavior. And in the share your movie thing, you just put all that stuff aside, get the bowl of popcorn, metaphorically. You don't actually have to have, get a ball <laughs> of popcorn. Just uh-huh. sit there for 20, 20 minutes the timer. For 20 minutes, you're just going to let yourself sink into this other person's experience. And they're going to tell it. And sometimes it helps if they tell it in third person so they can, like, talk about when my partner does this instead of saying when you. We're all very triggered around the word you. Yes. Um, you, you, what did I do? Don't... <laughs> 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 if, I say, if I just say, okay, my partner does this in my movie, this is how it is. Maybe I can detach enough to get it. Oh, wow, you are having quite the life there. That's fascinating. Or I I might be cheerful, like, oh, my God, I totally get how it is for you. But that doesn't invalidate what's going on for me. I have my own movie. So now your 20 minutes are up, and I'm going to share mine. Now you sit there and really think into what my experience is like. And if we can do that, we start to see each so other as these full human beings with these, these, these emotional landscapes. And that's what attracted us in the first place. And people forget this. When they are dating, they're attracted to the person's authentic reality, their feelings. That's, that's when that really kicked in. Yes, there's uh, maybe some of the trappings of what the exterior body looks like or how they dress or what they do for a living and all that stuff. But really... Usually when people fall in love, it's because they shared each other's hearts. They, oh, you feel that way too. Oh, yeah, I totally understand you. And somewhere along the line, we get so invested in what we want our partner to do and not do that we can't show up for them in that way. And you know why people have affairs? Because when they go to work, there's somebody at the office who gets them, who will actually listen.
1: Yeah. yeah, and you know, and I talk about that a lot. Is when you're first dating, your per- your par- you, when it's someone who you're into, your partner can do no wrong, right? You kind of overlook yeah. things that maybe, but if if he drops a towel on the ground continuously, it's kind of like, eh, oh well, but he's so cute. Look at his bat. he's so cute, right? We just we have that kind of mindset. But then when you're together with someone for a long period of time, things get a little irritating sometimes, and that dropping the towel isn't so cute anymore and those resentments start to build up. So I love how you talk about the movie and how you just, it, it offers you another way to see your partner without it yeah. being in your face. It kind of lets you just be a voyeur for a second without judgment and just putting down those barriers that we all put up. So I love that. But yeah, I want to ask you what, I want to ask you about, you know, you are, you, you support all types of sexuality. So, you know, whatever it is, whatever, whatever can be. I support all adult
2: consensual sexual behavior.
1: (laughs) Good way to put it. Yes. That's super important that the consensual adult behavior agreed. So for a partner who is, you know, maybe I, I just heard this yesterday when I was getting my hair done. This lady came home. She was in love with her partner. She came home and he was dressed in women's clothing from a bustier to the high heels. And she absolutely freaked out. What's a better way? I mean, help us understand, understand that more. It's not because maybe it's not because he didn't love her or he wasn't into her, but help us understand what goes through people's minds and how we can kind of put aside cool. judgment and see our partner for who they really are.
2: Well, first of all, I just want to say that my heart goes to both people. I feel empathy for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I do the work that I do with couples because I actually can feel both of them. Um, I, 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 I would think for the man, it would be like, this is my coming out moment. I am, I'm finally allowing some part of myself that I've been holding um, back to come forward and I don't know what it means and I don't know where it's going. I'm just exploring and um, I'm taking a real risk here. You know, you're the person that loves me and I'm hoping that you'll, that you'll love me and help me, uh, experience myself in this way. And, um, for her, you know, my heart goes to her too. It's like, Oh my God, I thought I knew who you were. I've never seen this part of you before. I'm scared. I don't. Does this mean you're leaving me? Does this mean you're gay? Does this mean what does this mean? Does, is our sex going to change? Uh, would you dress like this all the time? Oh my God, I'm so frightened. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, people don't speak from that heart. So, it's more likely that he's not going to share all his vulnerabilities. He, he's he's going to become defensive and contracted. And it's more likely that she's not going to share her vulnerabilities, that she's going to be um, on the offense trying to shame him into not doing that again. Um, and, and this is where we hurt each other so, so much. Because if I was working with this couple, I'd be sitting them down to have a heart connection around each other's fears and each other's vulnerabilities. And then they'd be human again. And it really wouldn't matter. The clothes wouldn't matter because, we see, oh, there's a human being. There's a human being who's having a journey here. And and, and, and she would not be the enemy or some kind of, um, you know, um, person who's prejudiced. She'd be a fearful person who's afraid of losing the most important relationship in her life so that's that's where I go my heart goes to both people how do we see the emotions it's not sides it's not who's right, who's wrong it's emotions, we all have these deep tender hearts and in the relationship, most of us are about four years old because we bring this most vulnerable child part of ourselves to the other person and that's what has to be on it (sighs) Yes. And so one thing
1: that you have, I've seen you mentioned before, and I want to delve into this because I think it fits with what we're talking about right now. And you've brought up you're only as sick as your secrets. So yeah. unfold that for us a little bit, talk about the psychology behind that.
2: Yeah. So here's what happens. If I feel ashamed of something, I try to hide it. And right. so then I, I don't want anybody to find out about it because I'm ashamed. And, I, and maybe, you know, it, it's probably conflated with a, a, legitimate fears. Maybe I could lose my children or my housing or my job. And, and, and then I start to adopt the culture's shaming attitude towards it. Maybe God disapproves of me. Maybe I'm going to go to hell. Uh, you know, who knows what road I take to find that shame. But it's there. It finds me. It starts to control me. And so I start lying to people, and I start having a double life, and I start having a double identity. And the more I do that, the more I become two separate people. And the more I become two separate people, the more I risk actually splitting my personality. And the more I start risking going into denial about these hidden parts of myself, and the more I risk actually losing my sanity. So we've got situations where we know... People who are out virulently persecuting homosexuals are actually closeted gay people. Not all of them, but Mm -hmm. a lot of them are. A lot of them are closeted. They just are so shame-based around it that they've completely separated themselves from that. And they may be actively pursuing homosexual alliances and having gay sex and yet trying to eliminate the um, p- possibility of anybody who is gay of enjoying equality or um, a, a happy life. And, and, it, and it, it makes us wonder, what what kind of a sane person could do something like that? Well, I don't think they are sane. I think they're so split off from themselves. And maybe they know what they're doing. Maybe they don't. They get caught, and all of a sudden they have to face the music. But there's a way in which they're not integrated. They're not actually talking to both parts of themselves. And I think that's insanity. My father was really good at that. My dad molested both my sister and I. And every time I would try to confront him about it and ask him to stop, and I did this from like age, um, I think, 15 to 17. I spent two years on this mission to try to get my father to see what he was doing and to stop doing it. I used logic. I used tears. I used plating. And finally... Um, I just realized there was no way to reach him. He literally did not, the two parts of him were not connected. There was a part of him that was doing this and a part of him who had no idea he was doing it. And my father went crazy. He died insane. So when I say that you're only as sick as our secrets, I'm serious about this. I, yeah. I've seen it happen. I have incest on both sides of the family, and I've watched a lot of family members lose their grip of reality um, because of the secret keeping, because it's shame-based. It's one thing to decide, hey, this is a private matter, and I don't want to share it with the world. Okay, but it's real important that you share that with at least another human being. And you've got to share that with yourself. But people too often, when they're shame based, don't share it with themselves even. And that's where the insanity sets in.
1: So they try to be in denial of what's really going on? Is that what you're saying? And they have that inner struggle?
2: I really think that when we are shame based, we're not trying to do anything except avoid the pain of the shame. So I'm doing Mm. this compulsive behavior. I can't stop it. Uh, So I'll just pretend it's not happening. Because
1: it hurts so much to see that I'm doing it. It's like that. So they can have as much, just tons of love for whoever they're doing it to. But there's just some kind of disconnect there that, oh my gosh. It's well, just, you
2: know, yes and no. Do they love okay. them? Yeah. I, I, I felt deeply loved by my father. And I also... Felt like he there was a part of him that was very very cold the part the part of his personality that perpetrated was cold selfish narcissistic yeah um, and then there was this other part of him that was funny and sweet and loving and nurturing sorry it was it's and growing
1: up with a parent who is crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, could, I mean, We were supposed to go into break a little while ago, but I could not stop that conversation. That was too good. So we're going to go into a quick, quick break and we're going to come back and we are going to be talking about all kinds of fun, sexual lifestyle issues. So come on back. Hey. This is me, Dory, and I wanna express how grateful I am for you joining me on my show. And for this, I have a very special gift for you that I am super excited to tell you about. It's a tool, and it's a tool that I have for those of you who are in a relationship and maybe feeling frustration and anxiety revolving around this partnership, like all of us do at some point, right? But it doesn't have to stay this way. The tool I'm talking about is my energized relationship quiz. All you do is you simply answer six super simple questions, enter your email, and then my custom diagnosis will pop up and reveal the relationship issue. After that, it'll give you the tools to change your situation, starting today, right away, right now. So stop arguing over the same things. Get your relationship back to that healthy and happy place you. On it And laughing with your partner again. Yes, it can happen. Here's the coolest part. It's free. And like I said earlier, it's only six super easy questions. So all you have to do is go to my Facebook page, which is the at sign Midori Verity and type quiz in my messenger and it'll take you right to the quiz. If you have questions, simply ask me on Messenger and I'll personally answer. In fact, I would love to hear your feedback. So once again, just go to my Facebook page, which is the at sign Worry Verity, and type quiz in my Messenger. That's it. I look forward to connecting with you. Welcome back, everyone. We are having a hot Conversation with Mrs. Veronica Monet. We are talking all about sex and shame and guilt and incest. And we are just going there. We are going there. And right now we're going to talk a little BDSM. B, what is it? BDSM. And I think there's a, a couple more acronyms added to that now,
2: isn't there? T. Oh, okay. and- oh. Yeah, there's, there's all kinds. <laughs> there's all kinds. It keeps getting longer and it's so hard to keep letters, straight. But, 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 but basically, bondage, discipline, sadomasochism. masochism.
1: Yeah. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so tell me about this. People, you know, in San Francisco, there's a place called, um, oh gosh, what is it? It's 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 become really big and people are talking about it. It's almost become kind of a normal place to talk about where they have all of this. They have all kinds of different deviant sexual, when I say deviant, I'm, I'm using that term loosely just because it's, it puts everything into a box right now. And that's just making it easier to talk about. Um, but, you know, all kinds of different sexual behavior and whether it's swinging, whether it's bondage, whether it's I'm homosexual. It doesn't matter. It all happens. Oh, it's called the Armory. Have you heard of that?
2: You know, um, I'm familiar with, I don't think I'm familiar with the Armory. I I know about uh, things like the power exchange and uh, the Citadel
1: okay so, so this ta- the armory behavior. takes it to the next the next level it's it's all over the internet so it's kind of a big thing right now and I know you're gonna now that I've said the word you're gonna you're gonna hear about it and be like oh that's what Midori was talking about yeah but, <laughs> you know it, it kind of it brings us all out in the open and I feel like more people today are talking about it and they're coming out from you know, maybe they've thought about it in the past, you know, bondage, they've, they've been interested in it, but it was so taboo that they wouldn't even bring it up. So let's talk about that. So let's say,
2: I get it. I just pulled it up online and I see it's, it's kind of for people who are just wanting to dip their toe into it.
1: Yeah. And when you, when you look into it more, it covers everything that I've ever thought of. (laughs) And so yeah, there, I'm right, sure there's more right. out so there but this, it's everything that I've a, ever thought of.
2: This is kind um, of like a, a sexual smorgasbord if you will.
1: It is. That is what it is like a buffet of all this different the different sexual, you know, desires. So yeah. if you have a partner who or let's say you're the person and you are really interested in S&M but your partner maybe was raised Catholic and the thought of it is absolutely mind-blowing to that would, that would, it's just not in their comprehension. How, how, what's your suggestion on approaching that with your partner? If it's something that you've been hiding for a while and, and it's bothering you and you really want to look into it more, do you have any suggestions on, on how to approach that? Well,
2: you know, it, it just depends. Yeah. You know, a relationship configuration If you have got a partnership that is based on monogamy, meaning that you are the only sexual partners for each other, there's still ways in which you could possibly do some BDSM play outside of the relationship. So if your partner was not drawn to it, did not want to get involved in it, um, you might be able to negotiate a situation where they would be willing for you to be spanked or tied up by somebody as long as there was... No um, oral sex or penetration, and that's that's something to keep in mind. A lot of BDSM play is sexual, but doesn't actually involve sex the way I would, I'm just going to say the way monogamous view sex, which is usually uh, something that has to do with the genital. Got it. So um, I have, as a sexologist, I've got a very broad definition of sex. I I know that you could sit fully clothed in a Uh, chair four feet away from somebody and have sex with them energetically. But um, the culture tends to think genitals is what the sex is about. So we'll talk about it in those terms. Okay. Um, and, And monogamy tends to be very possessive over the genitals. So you could introduce the idea that I want to do some of this play, this kinky power play, Um, that doesn't involve the genitals. And I'm wondering, you know, does that feel to you? Like, um, I'd still be honoring our agreement to be monogamous with each other. And maybe even invite your partner to come watch it so they don't have to participate in any way, shape, or form, uh, except that they could do it. They could be there for you, holding space for you and um, helping with the aftercare because uh, sometimes we can go deep with BDSM play, and uh, break through certain emotions. There's one one aspect of BDSM play. People think of it as kinky and titillating, but it also can be therapeutic. And some people use BDSM to contact um, deep emotions and heal parts of themselves. So it's, yeah. it's nice to know that your partner would be there to hold you afterwards and help you kind of process some of the feelings that might have come up for you. But and, and, and by the way, that can also happen if you are being in the dominant position and you're the one that's inflicting the, um, let's say, the, the, the caning or the flogging emotions can come up and things that you're processing. So it's, it's just really nice to have that concept of aftercare. Um, if if your partner is kind of like not so sure, one of the th- if. If, the, if that's the space they're in, like, well, I don't know, that sounds pretty scary, I don't want to be one of those people, then then the thing that I would talk to is the fact that there isn't actually one of those people. BDSM um, is um, has been with us for thousands of years. You know, now we got all kinds of latex and, and fancy, you know, costumes. Um, so that may feel kind of newish to us. But, um, you know, if you um, look at some of the ancient texts, there's, there's all kinds of things about um, biting and, and um, even, you know, using our fingernails to scratch and things like that. There's a, there's a way in which the body can actually take pain and turn it into pleasure. That's because the body releases all these endorphins. And a, a lot of people who don't think they do anything kinky at all still engage in a little bit of spanking or or they pin each other down and wrestle in bed. And, and so BDSM can be seen as just a more advanced form on a continuum. And and if we think of sex on a continuum, there's like a super, super vanilla uh, engagement where um, actually you could go all the way to tantra. So I'd like to like say tantra at one end and, and BDSM at another. I'm not saying that that's, you know... I'm just using it as an illustration at this point. But let's say I I, I brought up a tantra example, like uh, it's opposite from each other in chairs four feet apart and have sex energetically. That would be a tantric form of sex. Okay. So talk to, talk
1: to us a little bit because I I've heard the term many, many times, but talk to us a little bit more about the tantra part, because um, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience don't know exactly what that is. Well,
2: you're we also think that sex is in our genitals. It's actually not. It's based in, in in the spine. It's in the base of your spine. That's where your sexual energy lives, and uh, we call that Kundalini energy. And it, you could actually uh, induce an orgasm just by stimulating the base of your spine. And I I have done it through breathing. So you can use breathing to raise that raise the energy from the base of your spine out the top of your head, and you produce an orgasm. And uh, for yeah. any of your listeners who would, who want to learn more about that, I highly recommend a 17-minute video by Mary Roach called 10, Ten Things You Never Knew About Orgasms. Look it up online. It's fabulous. And uh, she talks about that in, in, uh, in vitro um, uh, masturbation, too
1: beautiful (laughs) wow okay so (laughs) i'm writing it down right now so we can share it because i know everyone wants to see that so mary rhodes h
2: r-o-a-c-h mary rhodes Rhodes, um ted talk 10 things you never knew about orgasm
1: okay all right, there yeah. you guys heard it. Okay, so okay. yeah, I had no so, idea that we could do it through our breathing. Now, that's something else new so that I've learned. There,
2: there's one way you can raise sexual energy is through breathing. And then at, let's say at the other end of the continuum, um, you can raise sexual energy by flogging, okay? And and what you're doing there is you are releasing a lot of, of the same kind of, of uh, hormones that get released during an orgasm, um, endorphins. And, and things like that. Well, they're, they're rushing to um, kind of uh, soothe the pain. The brain produces its own heroin-like components um, or, or chemicals. So people who pursue BDSM are high. That's, they are high on their own heroin-like um, chemicals. And, and that's why... It's one of the reasons. Not always. Some of it's psychological. Some of it's emotional. But and, and and there's a real art to it. But a lot of it is chemical. So it's it's not um, it's not weird. It's nature. It's biology. It's normal. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh. and, and,
0: and that's kind
2: of what happens. Say you're playing you're being playful with your partner. You chase each other around the room and one of you pushes the other one down on the bed and you kind of pretend to pin the other one down and there's that little moment of excitement and, 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 and for some couples that might go a little step further where you bite each other on the neck and then maybe maybe like, you know, turn the other one over and thank the bottom playfully. Um, that's, those are all forms of BDSM. Right. Yeah. They're right. Just, they, we, we just don't call them that because they become, they're so normal. They're so a part of how we make love. And they see all of our movies and our literature and nobody ever says, oh, that's BDSM. There's, there's this place where we go, oh, now you're wearing, um, you know, latex. So it must be BDSM. Or, um. Okay. So let me I ask you though. So. hand with a hairbrush.
1: <laughs> okay, so if someone, you know, regardless of whether it's BDSM, you know, that that's in our minds, that's kind of the extreme, right? But what about like swinging and that, you know, because that's different. That's where, uh, I don't, I think, I feel like there's more emotion involved in, or there can lots be more emotion of, involved with swinging. Lots,
2: lots and lots of emotion in that. So here, I want to make some distinctions here. There's open relationships. Uh, which involves slinging. Mm-hmm.
0: And there's
2: poly- polyamory. People, uh, a lot of young people, especially right now, are just using polyamory as a euphemism for promiscuity. The, and the reason <sighs> I want to say that is because the term polyamory means many loves, many loves. Deborah Annapol, uh, who recently died, huge hero of mine, uh, was kind of the mother of polyamory. And she wasn't talking about promiscuity. She was talking about having multiple partners, So I just want to distinguish that. If you go to um, some of the poly events, you're really expecting to allow some emotional involvement and connection. These are people, and you're developing relationships with them, and you may have a relationship with them that just involves sex, but there's still lots of communication and transparency and honesty and negotiating. And everybody's informed, and this is, I think, one of the beauties of polyamory. It's just a, a really beautiful model. But if you, if you talk about open relationships, by the way, I've done both. I was married for 14 years, and we had an open relationship, and we, we, we sometimes did uh, group sex things, and, and, um, and sometimes had sex with other people without our partner there. And we, it was fully negotiated, it was very honest, it was open. Um, but the thing that made that difference from polyamory is there's a commitment uh, from us as monogamous married couple that we were not going to form emotional bonds with other people we were just going to have sex with them and um, that tends to be the definition now obviously there's people who kind of do a little of both on either side but in general open relationship means it's just sex polyamory means we're going to make room for the fact that there may be some emotional connection. And then we get to decide how far that goes and how we want to define our family. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Thank you for clearing all that up. So there's, there are so many different levels here. So for yeah. the couple that has been together for a while and you know, they just, let's say that they do decide they decide that they're going to go, you know, to a to, to a part, to the armory. They're going to go party. They're going to go, you know, with another couple, and they're going to get involved sexually. But afterwards, one of one or both of the partners feels that shame, that resentment, that um, guilt. What? What then? What about yeah. after the fact? Can you
2: fix well, something if if it goes of, too far? Of course, of course you can, and I, I'll talk about that from in just. 30 seconds. I just want to say the conversation should have taken place before they went. Okay. So, but, so, so they might have felt it, like we're ready. Well, hold on a second. I just okay. want to say that if, if you're ever going to go with your partner to a setting where you might be indulging in some new sexual behaviors, you need to talk about all the contingencies beforehand. What, what would be the deal breaker? Like um, if I am with a person of this gender, is that okay? And how do you feel if I'm with a person of that gender? Do you have any different feelings about which gender I'm with? And, and do you care about orifices? These are things that actually come up for people who are in relationships. They, they care about gender. They care about orifices, like whether it's the rectum or the mouth or the vagina. These things are very primal in people. They get very, very emotional about it. So if you're not having those conversations before you go play, you're kind of inviting disaster. But your question was after play.
1: Right. So let's say it, they do it, have that. They talk about it beforehand and it seems like a great idea. They, they feel like they're on board with it. They're excited. But then something happens after in their mind and it shifts. Yeah.
2: Well, we want, to, we want to go back to show me your movie for first and foremost. Sit down and tell me. I'm going to listen to how it was for you. You tell me your movie. And a lot of times the movies that I've heard from couples who are disturbed by this is, well, uh, he paid more attention to her. Or or she had a better orgasm with him. Um, or I felt left out. Um, you know, I suddenly I was standing there all by myself and they were going at it. Or I never heard her scream like that with me. What am I doing wrong? So it brings up a, it can bring up a lot of insecurity. Um, yeah. And 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 the first thing we got to do is got to show up for the emotions. So if the, if the thing you say is oh that's so silly, you know I love you, that's the wrong approach.
1: <laughs> okay, good to know. I'm putting that in my pocket. Okay so yeah. what's a better what to approach say is,
2: oh tell me tell me more tell me more how was that for you oh my god i hear you felt all alone say more about that when was it that you felt alone oh wow okay and then what else happened for you oh my god is that what it looked like to you oh i want to hear more about that you've got to be very curious and give a lot of time this person's you know, needing to get it out. And if the more you show up for them, the more connected to you, they're going to feel, and the safer they'll feel the next time you guys want to do this.
1: Okay. So let's, let's go there. So let's say one partner decides, this is so not for me. I just, I can't handle the situation. I don't want to do this anymore. We did it once and I want to be done. Whereas the other partner, you know, for them, it was a rush and they, loved it and they are they are not willing to give it up then what yeah. listen well, we're talking about a married couple not just a couple that just kind of got together for six months yeah but a couple yeah. that that has important you know kids and everything else
2: this is this is sex is not different than any other aspect of life it is to be like i want to quit my job and move to florida well i don't i want to stay in california and you want you to stay keep your job it, we, we kind of make it more complicated than it has to be because it's sex, but really it's not. It's like, okay, we're in a long-term committed relationship. We have to agree on things in order for us to live in the same house. Um, so for us to have a sex life, we have to agree. That agreement can change. It could change to like, well, if you need to do that, you need to do it on your own time. Or it can just be like a deal breaker. Like, no, actually if you're gonna to continue to do those things, I, I don't I can't live with you anymore. Um, so that's just kinda of the the way we have to like figure out how much it matters to us. Like if you're gonna say, okay, that's it because if you're looking for some way to convince and cajole and manipulate your partner into doing what you want them to do, that's not going to work long term in the relationship. It kind of spells the doom of the relationship. And if you're also on the side of it, like I'm just going to tell him it's absolutely forbidden and I'll use some shaming techniques like I can't even believe you want to do this or her, you know, you're such a slut, whatever. Those mm-hmm. kind of things also spell the doom of the relationship. So we got to kind of like pull ourselves out of the, those techniques of either trying to convince or shame and go into sitting down and having an intelligent adult conversation about our values and how we want our life to look like as a couple you know what okay let's let's look at the broader picture here what what do we see our future looking like you now I work with couples where one is saying I think I'm not going to be happy having sex with you I need to have sex with more people than you And if they've been together for 10 or 20 years, that's really scary stuff. And you you have to know that if you're changing the terms of the relationship, just like if you were to change your job or move, it puts the relationship in question. And you have to renegotiate the relationship. You have to sit down and have a serious conversation. It's not something that you can take lightly. It's a big deal. It's supposed to be a big deal because everybody had an agreement about how things are, and now it's changing. And we don't know what the outcome will be until we actually sit down and, and really get connected to what are the bottom lines for all the players. Yeah. So it's, So I'm, I'm not one for dispensing, uh, oh, well, convince your partners by uh, telling them that if they let you have this, you'll give them that. Um, sure, that'll work this week, might work next month, might even work this year, but I'm working long-term relationships, so I'm looking for solid, solid tips that are going to carry that relationship another decade.
1: Yeah and I think conversations like this are so important to talk you know because it's one thing to have the fantasy right in your head of how it's going to be when you go swing or or you go t- to a BDSM party or whatever it is you have the fantasy in your head of what it's going to be like maybe you watch a, something on the internet and but then you get there and you brought up some really good points you get there and it's not what you envisioned in any way and, and the emotional part of it just is not resonating with you and it's making you feel re- extremely uncomfortable and it kind of shifts your relationship. And so I yeah. think con- these kind of conversations, these kind of shows where you bring up the reality of it are so important for people to listen to if they are really thinking of changing the rules of the relationship in such a drastic way or a dramatic way. I,
2: yeah. This, you know, too often, we're just like, oh, oh, let's hurry and go do it. And it's like, but slow down. Slow down. Let's talk about the feelings first, you know? Yeah. Um, what What are you, why are you wanting to do this? And then why are you not wanting to do it? These are both really, to me, exciting, interesting questions. Why do you want to? Why don't you?
0: And right. the person
2: who had a bad experience, experience if if they're shutting down and just saying i know i didn't like it i don't want to do it again then then i was like well i would like to know more about that what what was it that you didn't like was there anything that you did like what was it tell me all the stuff you didn't like if and if it's typical sometimes they're gonna actually become from a place of shame and they're not going to want to talk about it and um at that point i would like, try to create some safety to have a deep conversation. Encourage them. Share some of your own feelings. You know, some of the things I loved about it was this, and there were a couple of things I didn't like. I didn't like this. And how was that for you? And really start opening that up and try to help them start releasing their own shame and judgments. Because sometimes the reason people don't like those experiences is because they saw a part of themselves they didn't know existed. And
1: they feel ashamed of it. Good. Oh my gosh. Veronica, I could talk to you all day long and I'm hoping that you will come back to my show because this is not a, uh, there's so much more to this conversation that there is There's so much much more. I wish we could talk for three hours, but this has been, I mean, so enlightening. I've talked to a lot of you. I've talked to BDSM experts and I've actually talked to a couple who has gone through where one partner got the full um, sex change and became a woman. He was a man. I knew him as a man um, and they yeah. stay together. So I've, I've heard these, these conversations, but the, so much of what you talked about just makes it a little bit more real um, brings more reality to it and more understanding to it. So this has been incredible. We skipped over our second commercial. We skipped over our game. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why I have to have you back because I could not stop it. There was just too much to talk about. So this was awesome. But I know Veronica, Perfect. people are going to, people are going to want to talk to you more. So where offer. can they find out more information? I think we have an offer, um, for the listeners as well. So tell us, tell us all about that.
2: Absolutely! I want everybody to get my brand new, exclusive partnership formula ebook. It's it's over 10,000 words long. It's full color. It's gorgeous. You're gonna love it. And I teach it, my five steps, um, um, five steps to exclusive partnership in this free ebook. And I also, of course, share details on how to play show your movie and a few other uh, tips around managing anger. So um, and it's really easy to get it. Uh, you just go over to my website and um, sign up for it. So um, the website is shamefreezone.com or you can just put in shamefreezone.com. Either URL goes there. And then just um, click on the, um, the little book cover there to get your copy of the free book. It's right there at the top of the page. Well,
1: you know what I'm thinking about, Veronica, when you're talking about that? There's probably people that we all know who could use that book. So maybe you can like find a way to secretly send it to them. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <that's>, right? We <laughs> all know people who could benefit. So that's another recommendation. But also in case you didn't quite write that down, you didn't catch it, if, Of course, it's on my website, MidoriVerity.com forward slash show. Find Veronica on there. She should be at the top. Click on it. And that's where all that information is. And I so encourage you to check that out. I'm going to check out the movie because I think that's such a great idea. But next week, yeah, I think it's just awesome. Thank you so much for sharing everything and being so authentic and and awesome as far as being honest. Yeah. And next week we are going to have Shay Vaughn on our show. Her last name may sound a little familiar to you. Yes, she is the mother of Vince Vaughn, the famous actor, but she's also She's incredible. She's my friend and she is known as the queen of health and wellness. And so she's a healthy living expert. She's also the founder of WBTVN network. And so I encourage you all to come back and meet Miss Shea Vaughan. It's going to be a fun, fun, energizing, healthy wellness show. So come on back for that. And as always, remember that gratitude attitude, you guys. Make sure you tell your partner at least one thing per day that you appreciate and that you're grateful for in them and watch your relationship blossom. Until next time, I look forward to seeing you again, always, every Wednesday, 1 p.m. See you then.
0: Thanks for listening to the Kick-Ass Relationship Show with Midori Verity. We hope you've enjoyed the show and want to share the love by passing on our web address, midoriverity.com forward slash show to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous shows. This has been a Midori Verity International Production. Join us next time on the Kick-Ass Relationship Show to add passion and fun to enjoy the most extraordinary relationship and life.